Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. If you are stuck or overwhelmed while getting your syndication business started, I completely understand. I was in your shoes, working as hard as I could, but going nowhere until I hired a mentor. That mentor gave me direction at crucial times in my business that helped me to be able to close on over $100 million in real estate last year. I'm picking a select group of people over the next 30 days that are self-disciplined and motivated to ensure their success in this business. If this is you, apply on our website to see if you qualify. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest, he's a repeat guest from show, believe it or not, WS002, which is Michael Becker. Thanks for being on the show again, Michael. Whitney, appreciate you having me back on. Can't believe it's been almost 900 episodes in between then and now. It has. It's hard to believe that we've produced that many shows and interviews and been that long since you've been on the show. And so grateful for your time. Michael has such an extreme background in multifamily and in this business and very successful. A little about him in case you don't know of him. He is a principal at SPI Advisory LLC and heads SPI's Dallas, Texas office. Under Michael's leadership over the past eight plus years, SPI Advisory has acquired approximately 10 thousand units in Dallas, Fort Worth, and Austin markets. Prior to forming SBI Advisory, Michael was a 15-year veteran commercial real estate banker and has originated and managed numerous portfolios of permanent and bridge loans in all major asset classes. So Michael and I was also talking before the show, he's got this amazing map behind him that shows you know where his properties are located in this markets, Austin and Dallas, Fort Worth. It's incredible. It looks amazing. You're talking about how much he uses that. And I can see the value in that. You need to look and see where your properties are and learn a lot from that over time for sure. Michael, welcome to the show. Grateful to have you back. And are there any updates you want to provide as far as what's happening right now with SPI? And let's jump in. Appreciate the opportunity to come back on. It's been a busy, I don't know, probably two or three years since uh, episode two. So it's been a busy three years. It's been you know, buying, selling, had a pandemic in the middle, started a new show, the multifamily investing show with Michael Becker. So that's on YouTube or iTunes or probably anywhere here in my voice or our websites, www.multifamilyinvestingshow.com. So that's been taking a lot of time, as you know, to do one of these shows. Can't just snap your fingers. There's a lot of effort that goes into it. So it's been a pretty cool run. I've been real excited uh, kind of about where we sit as we're kind of first quarter 2021 as we record it. It's been interesting last you know, 12 or 15 months and glad to see things are starting to kind of get back to a little bit more normal. Yeah, no, grateful again for your time and just sharing your experience on the show. And I thought, you know, with your, I mean, just even looking at that map behind you and just your experience and knowledge base of Dallas and Austin and that market, I thought we could speak to that a little bit before we dive into a few other things. But as far as Texas, I thought you could speak to what's happening there right now, what you see as far as property values or things that you all are looking at, you know, as you're assessing new deals. And maybe we even talk a little bit about, you know, all the mess that's happening right now with everything that's frozen over, right? How has that affected your properties or as well or has it? But can I guess give us a little Texas update? Yeah, yeah. Kind of your second part first. Texas always has crazy weather. So, you know, like today is going to be 80 degrees. And, you know, a few days ago it was negative two. 
Maybe we have some extremes here, but I guess when it's flat and goes on forever, you kind of get some uh, some extremes. That's kind of the, the greater planes. But we had our state electrical grid. I guess a lot of people didn't know this, that there's three electrical grids, the East Coast, the West part of the country, and Texas. And so our grid wasn't very well prepared. It wasn't, they didn't winterize a lot of the equipment at the plant. So not only do we have the coldest snap and modern record, it, it also had rolling blackouts of power. So it's been a challenging week. Last week was very, very challenging having to go through. We have 6,000 apartment units, and a lot of them are newer vintage deals that have fire sprinkler systems in them as well. So we were really prepared going into it, Whitney, and then they shut the power off, and then it's all heck broke loose. And so we had like 300 units affected by water penetration at almost 6,000 units that we own today. So it's been kind of like playing whack-a-mole. You know, every time you get one down, the next one pops up. And starting on the last weekend, it uh, started thawing out. We're mostly back to normal. We'll, we'll still have quite a bit of cleanup to do with replacing sheetrock. And, but it's really just kind of management by crisis. You just kind of jump in. And now, unfortunately, it wasn't just us. It was everyone in the entire state. And, you know, many of the surrounding states, I'm sure, had issues to certain extents, whether it was the fire sprinklers or just kind of regular supply lines. So it was a challenging test, to kind of say the least. But I'll take a little bit of water issues here and there versus some of the other stuff that these other states have to deal with, like California or New York. Kind of to your first part, I grew up here my entire life. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and sorry, suburban Dallas. And, you know, the markets that we really focus on are Dallas and Austin. And we have about 6,000 units uh, currently between those two markets. And it's a completely different environment than what it was when I grew up on 42. So, you know, it was kind of a slow, sleepy town for most of my life. Then about a decade or so ago, kind of coming out of the Great Recession, everything started just really changing. You know, it's always been a relatively high growth market, both of them. And Dallas and Austin are very different in a lot of respects, but they both have uh, quite a bit of growth. And Dallas has really been the magnet for many, many years for these large corporate relocations. Some of the recent headlines were, you know, like Toyota relocated here and Charles Schwab relocated here. So some pretty big corporate relocations with, you know, thousands and thousands of jobs. So it's really kind of fueled the population. And then Austin's been a little bit more trendy, a little bit more hip. It's a lot smaller you know, Dallas-Fort Worth's about 7.6, 7.7 million people in the metropolitan area. Austin's crossed over 2 million people in 2015. I think it's about 2.3 million roughly today. So it's about a third as big compared to Dallas-Fort Worth. But the growth on a percentage basis is probably even greater in Austin. So it's been a good environment. The multifamily's been absolutely on fire for the last decade, basically my entire professional career, especially in the ownership, you know, going out and started doing real estate about a decade, a little bit over a decade ago and started doing multifamily a little bit over eight years ago. And, and it's been, you know, absolute rocket ship and deals that we would buy at the beginning, you'd buy for, you know, the high twenties a door, maybe 30,000 a door. And we sold them for high 40s to 50 a door. And then they sold again for, you know, 75, 80 a door. And now they're worth a hundred and Something adore is just absolutely nuts, and the cap rates, you know, compress dramatically, and and it's a completely different market, very, very competitive right now. And I'm sure many parts of the country are, but you know, the two markets I play in, I, I can't imagine there's many more markets that are much more competitive than where I sit right now. No doubt about it. I hear so many operators talk about Dallas-Fort Worth and how competitive it is. And so many people want to come there, right? I mean, because of the last 10 years and what so many like yourself have been able to create there, just the business and the success that's happened there because of what you talked about, buying them one time for 40000 or less per unit. And now they're selling for 100 
hundred plus per unit easy. And so I wanted to back up just a little bit. I know you talked about 6,000 units, 300 units affected by the freezing weather or frozen pipes, things like that. Could you just give us a couple tips there that have helped you to manage that? I mean, that is, you know, it's not like 300 units were affected over two years, right? I mean, this is, like, you know, within a week or something, a few days. How do you get to those tenants? Obviously, you're trying to help those people, but how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, it was just really kind of all hands on deck. And so the maintenance guy, I mean, plumbers were just really hard to reach. So fortunately, we have a little bit of scale in the marketplace. So, you know, being bigger is better in this business in, in most respects. And kind of your relationships with a lot of the vendors certainly help. So if you're kind of a one-off operator, good luck out there, you know, trying to get someone's attention. So we had some help from some plumbers and, you know, Monday when kind of really got cold Sunday and then Monday, we talked about it preemptively, but we didn't do it. We actually, a lot of the fire suppression systems, the sprinkler systems, we ended up turning off draining the lines. So we had a handful of breaks and then going on what they call fire watch. So you have to pay someone to like watch your buildings in case they catch on fire. So that's what the fire marshals make you do. But it was better because these pipes were up in the attic. Even with the power being cut off, it was going to be impossible to, you know, not have just a tremendous amount of breaks. So that really helped mitigate some of this issue. And then we just started just kind of going as we'd go and kind of unit by unit, you just go address it, you know, try to kind of management by crisis. Unfortunately, a lot of the buildings had the water shut off for a handful of days because you had so many leaks. You just have to get a whole team out there and the maintenance guys and turn the water on and you fix the section of these units. You turn it off, you fix these sections, you turn it back on and you go down the line. There's the next two or three leaks. And you little by little, just kind of go through and address it and do your best to kind of mitigate the, the water damage. But I'm sure you saw some photos and video of some crazy icicles hanging out of these buildings and water just gushing out of some of these downtown high-rise buildings. I mean, it was relatively challenging, to be honest with you. So I feel good that we're mostly on the backside of that. Hopefully, we never have to go through something like that again. But now, every time you think you see something in this business, there's always a little curveball thrown at you. And I think it's just about being responsive, you know, communicating to the residents. Obviously, a lot of residents were impacted. But I think when everyone kind of takes a step back, most people are going to realize this wasn't something that we did. It was literally everybody had the same issue all at the same time. And if they didn't cut the power off, we probably would have had one-tenth of the issues that we did. It was really that power being cut off really exacerbated a lot of issues. Any changes or the way you operate moving forward because of this? I know this is something that doesn't happen very often in Texas, but you know anything that's come from that that said, you know what, we're going to start doing this from now on. If we see that the forecast is to have you know three days of single digit temperatures in a row, we might consider to be preemptively with the fire suppression systems, maybe drain the lines of going on fire watch a little bit earlier. I think that'd be something. And then, you know, maybe take the time in the summer to maybe do a little better job of inspecting the attics, see if there's any plumbing lines in there and maybe insulating them a little bit better. That might be something that I don't think anyone's ever really paid attention to too much around here. Right. Because like you said, this doesn't happen very often. And even if we had this weather, if they didn't cut the power, it would have been as bad. And then at my house, we luckily didn't have any major issues, but I'm going to go get a backup generator that's natural gas supplied. And I'm going to do that probably this summer or in the fall when the pricing comes down a little bit, because I think you get a pretty good generator for like five or six grand. So I never thought about that until this moment. And then I'm going to go ahead and take care of that. <laughs> yeah, you probably want to invest in those generators, right? So I want to pivot just a little bit and talk about 
And so just the last week or so, but really over the last year and just things maybe you've learned, things you've had to implement just through the pandemic and, you know, what that's done to your business, your property specifically. And then we'll, you know, love to talk about obviously how that changed your mindset moving forward when looking at deals. But can you elaborate on any part of the pandemic over the last year and what that did to your property specifically? You know, we've been fortunate where we haven't had two material of impact. I mean, certainly the delinquencies up and we have, you know, a handful of people that just aren't paying that have been in units at this point for, you know, many, many months in some cases. But, you know, for the most part, the residents have been pretty good about it. And if there's capacity to pay, they've been willing and able and they actually have paid for the most part. There's a handful of bad apples in the mix. But I feel pretty fortunate that multifamily has been proven to be pretty resilient. And, you know, again, I talked to you from my office in Dallas, Texas, as a person that owns a bunch of properties in Texas. I own a bunch of property in downtown San Francisco or Manhattan Island. Maybe my opinion might be a little bit different than what I experienced, but I think that's most of the Sun Belt and kind of Midwest probably felt like this, similar to what I did. So obviously, you know, we're elevated in delinquency, but, you know, we went from like less than 1% to probably, you know, 4 to 5% probably at the peak. And actually, as we turned into 2021, that actually kind of has come in a little bit. So we actually kind of turned the corner even without the big tool of eviction with the CDC declarations. In Texas, you actually still can't evict up until the point where they actually, a resident files a CDC declaration. You got to kind of stop and suspend it, but you can actually file evictions, go to court in most jurisdictions, and at least in Dallas-Fort Worth, Austin, they do have a moratorium. So you can't even file in Austin and Travis County and the two surrounding counties. So it's a little bit more challenging down there than it is up in Dallas-Fort Worth. But I think that couple of takeaways really proved our business model out quite a bit. To the extent we own anywhere from workforce housing, you know, stuff built in the 60s and 70s, we don't have much of that left, but that's kind of where we started on the way to brand new class A and a whole bunch of stuff kind of in between. And where we did see delinquencies, it was kind of concentrated a little bit more in the workforce housing versus kind of some of the newer stuff, which makes sense because those residents tend to be people that have to physically go somewhere to have a job. Michael Becker is such a powerhouse in our industry. It's been incredible to hear how he has handled the pipes bursting in Texas to many other things that are happening right now in our industry. And so I hope you've enjoyed this portion of the show. Unfortunately, I had some computer issues and we split the show up and we are continuing the conversation into tomorrow. So thank you for listening today and follow up tomorrow for the rest of the show with Michael, where we just talk about being prepared for the worst and many other things in our industry. Thank you again. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success. 